there are million things on tv the shortest form of cricket is still 4 hours right why would i give 4 hours to just to be entertained i have to feel you know it's being a sports fan is about pain about joy about tears and all that you you say 4 hours sambit but i think the 60 is starting soon i'm sure you're waiting uh, for 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 that uh, <laughs> Hello and welcome to ESPN Cricket for Stump Fight. I'm Karthik and today I almost feel like a startup founder pitching disruptors to the market, specifically the ILT20 in the UAE and the CSA T20 league in South Africa, both which begin early next year. And also because today I have two potential investors as my guests and I'm not sure if they're sold on the idea or not. I guess we'll find out over the course of this episode. Bring their expertise to Stump Fight. First up, Sambit Bal. Good morning. Welcome. Happy to be here. Excited. Uh, it's a new venture for me. To, nobody invites me on podcasts. So it's not that I don't come, but uh, yeah, so it's it's a huge honor this, for me. This is actually your first, I think, appearance on this podcast. I might have done uh, some, yeah, some podcast somewhere before, but uh, yeah, Switch It I have appeared at. couple of times you you have the voice for a podcast uh, <laughs> i am i'm honestly not sure whether that was complimentary or whether even i am not yeah that <laughs> <laughs> you haven't asked yeah fair enough okay well along with sambit there was a familiar voice so that is osman samiuddin who's waking up each week early in the morning osman london time to come on stump mike i've got to change this you know it started raining here people the, the locals here have gone crazy last night on the news i saw people were saying you'll be relieved to know that it's going to rain in london tomorrow and i was like hey listen i came to england thinking that the relief is the sun not the rain it's insane i don't know what's going on there's so, a, there's a te- there's a test patch on damn it yeah exactly it hasn't rained for like the whole summer it's been the driest july ever and and suddenly now the test match is on it's raining it's great it's 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 a story of cricket i think in, in a few words <laughs> and and the, and there is a test match on and we're not here to talk about the test though osman l- l- let's start with you we're here to talk about We'll start with the ILT20. That's going to start in uh, January, early next year. I think five of the six teams have announced announced their 14-member squads. There are still four local players to go. It's making waves. And I think, have we all been a little bit confused as to what's going to happen over the next few months? I don't know if we've been confused. I think, it, you know, <laughs> the, the, the league itself is very clear-eyed, right? Clear-eyed in, in what it does. It, it's, it's, a, it's the first ever league. I think, I think what has happened, and this is... something that is very telling i think about cricket administration what has happened is that it's kind of caught administrators off guard completely you know initially when when there was talk with the sleeve it's been happening you know since since november almost last year i remember we did a story because you know the, the main interest at that time was that there was a couple of ipl teams wanting to invest in it and and the man u owner the glazers wanted to invest in it so you know there was exciting news like oh wow there's a league coming up we didn't know about like you know any of the rules about overseas players or what but we knew that okay this is you know the emirates is emirates cricket board is sanctioning this league it's going to be privately owned but it's coming and i think you know internally within the icc board members knew there had been talk about the number of foreign players and stuff and i think what's caught them off guard is that suddenly this league has come and it's called the bluff on every other league and 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 it's just said well you know we're going to stuff our team with foreign players because we don't have local players essentially and i think now once you know once every board had kind of was fine with it now they realize that oh actually it's going to like call in all our players because it's offering that much money because the money is there now they're kind of panicking uh at, at the overseas rule that that they have in place overseas players rule that they have in place so i think that is what has 
really riled up and, and kind of hit cricket hard because, you know, boards are now suddenly saying, wait, how can a league come in and like have nine overseas players in their league? Because nine times six is 54 times 12 in every squad is 70. That's 72 international players in one league. Um, so, you know, that, that's obviously set, like it's set the cat among the pigeons as far as every other board is concerned. So I think it's, it's that that's been more kind of disorienting for, for cricket and cricket administrators rather than the fact that it's just another T20 league. Uh, Sambat, you, you look at it, Osman mentioned like a year ago, when it's an announcement, it's just an announcement. When, when the owners, there, there are suggestions that X or Y will own, own a franchise. Yes, those are suggestions. Then when it becomes reality, now we've been seeing over the past few weeks that actual cricketer names has been announced. There's, there's probably going to have to be two Moin Ali's, Ali's to play all these leagues. But uh, it, it, the fact of the matter is, these teams with their official accounts on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, are announcing big T20 names to, to star in them. It is as real as it gets. Uh, I mean, I mean, sort of, it takes me back uh, slightly to 2008 when IPL came. And it was a massive unknown for everyone. What's going to happen to cricket? We all, none of us, you know, I remember writing then that whether we like it or not, I feel it was going to change cricket forever. And it was going to revolutionize the game. Some things will be for the better, something will be for the worse, but this will change cricket. I'm not I'm not saying that ILT20 will do that because the kind of profound changes that IPL brought, ILT20 will not bring. But I think it's in many ways a marks another paradigm shift. We know that there was something called GLT20 in Canada. Remember that? Yeah, just about. You you can say that ILT20 is actually in the same model, that it was it was sanctioned by the Canadian board and, and then ICC approved it. But I think everybody was thinking of ILT20 somewhere in deadline. Okay, someday there'll be something else like that. You know, whether it'll last or survive and nobody, nobody really gave it much thought, like Osman said. But... The paradigm shift, what I am talking about, is that this is this is another league. This is a league that is why it is different from every other league, because board. It's not really owned by a board that is part of the cricket's mainstream. Every other league has the core is their own players, so it's for them. And the, you have to remember the core is the it's meant for an audience that is local. There is no uh, evidence that UAE is actually a cricket <laughs> destination. You know, there is a lot of cricket that is played. UAE's cricket following is not organic. It's it's really the expats uh, who stay and watch cricket. And, and they all follow, not UAE team, they all follow their national teams, like Indians and Pakistanis and Sri Lankans, and whoever is there. All the expats follow them. So here is a team that is perhaps the first of the really, really commercial enterprises which is there to create something that they're hoping that it'll, be, it'll entertain not the local audience, not with local talent, but they're hoping that it will attract viewership in other markets. And it's not directly owned by a board. It's completely funded private. CSA League also is not completely owned by the board. It has private investment. But it's still, it's board run, board governed. This is not. And there is a stake. Of CSA has a stake in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. CSA, has a, sure. uh, CSA has a majority stake in it. But here it's completely privately owned. So if this model works, what is there to stop uh, private investment 15 other private and when just, you when you say work somebody what what exactly would works means we are going I to mean, see quality means, cricket what, it has to work commercially it has to work commercially it has to it has to go, attract audiences it's not it is, it's not a case of just you know paying a lot of money to the players so i have i have my i have my doubts about that i have my you know uh, because again the uh, it, because again it turns ahead on 
turn sports, how sports is followed on its head, right? Sports is followed uh, not as pure entertainment anyway. You know, uh, Manu fans don't watch Manu games because they're they're winning. They the least of all at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For ten years they haven't won, but you you've got that emotional anchor, right? People have Manu has managed to create that sort of that way. It's a phenomenon in the sense that the amount of global sort of fans, which which seem very organic to me, you know, I I find that very hard to sort of accept mm. because I don't follow sport like that. But you know, I have people in my family, my son will support a La Liga team, my nephew will support a Man U team. I always ask them, how? Why? <laughs> and they support it with real passion and knowledge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Our team. That's they, they yeah. call it my, my team. You know, they don't follow India with that sort of passion. But sport without that is just pure entertainment, right? And pure entertainment will just doesn't, you know, there's far better entertaining, there will be better entertainment available to people. You know, it will be competing with Everything else, it will be competing with movies, OTT, Instagram, YouTube. So then, will that uh, be that successful? Whether it will ever have that sort of following? I don't know. I'm I'm very very uh, unsure and dubious about that actually. Whether whether a league like that can succeed. But I, that's I think uh, one of the one of the administrative things actually that we have to keep an eye on. And it sounds dull and stuff, of course, but it's it's the wrath of the administrators. I, I have a feeling, I have a strong feeling that come the next ICC meeting, uh, when the boards all get together, there's going to be some points and concerns, more points and concerns raised about the nature of the league and how it can allow that many overseas players. And I have a feeling, I, I expect a strong pushback at the next meeting. I expect a lot of boards to come in and say that, like, look, we have to change the, the rules for sanctioning. So, you know, the ICC gives sanction to a league. It, uh, it's, it's a very bureaucratic thing. It's, it's, a, it's box ticking. You know, if, if the league fulfills a certain number of criteria, that the ICC have put together with their own boards, by the way. I say the ICC, but I mean basically the management and the boards itself. If if it fulfills those, then you have to give it sanction. You know, it's a league, and this is exactly what's happened with this league: is that it has fulfilled every criteria that was needed. You know, some rather kind of superficial, more superficial than others. Like you know, you must have some kind of in intent to develop the game locally in the country, and you know, the ILT20 has of course said that yes, we will put money back into Emirates cricket, but if it fulfills those, then you get sanctioned for it. And so, you know, th there's nothing there that says that there should be a hard cap on the number of overseas players, for example, uh, in, in those sanctions. So I, what, I, what I suspect is, what I strongly suspect is some of the smaller boards, in fact, a number of boards, will, will come together and say that, look, we want to change the sanctions and we want to make sure that the league, any new league that starts up, cannot have more than, say, I don't know, four overseas players uh, in its 11. Currently, they allow seven, right? They allow seven. Uh, I know. I, I think it's anything. I don't think there's a hard cap. There's not an upper cap on the number of foreign players. I think what it is is that if if any team or any squad will have more than four overseas players, then you just need an ICC sanction. You just need, like, the ICC needs to approve it. That's all. So there's no upper cap. I mean, we spoke to Jeff Aldice about this, you know, a couple, who's the ICC chief executive a couple of weeks ago, and he said that there is no hard cap on the number of overseas players that you can have. So, you know, one, I think that's going to come in. There's going to be talk about that in the next ICC meetings, which are in October. Um, and two, this, this is already happening, is that the ILT20 is constantly talking to, uh, one, Cricket Australia, because, you know, they have the big bash on and they want some Australian players there, and the CSA League as well. They're constantly talking to them about maybe shifting their place in the calendar. I suspect 
that you know they, they could also agree and say, okay, we'll move to the February, March, say pre-IPL spot in the calendar. So that gives like CSA and Cricket Australia uh, a free run in the in that in that part of the season. But of course, then it brings up a clash, you know, because now there's leagues in every month. It brings up a clash with the PSL. So you know, it, it's a tricky thing. The, the one one option is that they move to a part of the year where they're not clashing with anyone else, which I can't see any month where they can play in the UAE and not clash with anyone else. And the other is that the boards come together and say that, listen, you can't have a league like this. You have to have, I don't know, a, a hard cap on the number of overseas players that you have in 11. What if, what if I step in there and say, why not let have the league? Why not let the players decide? It should be a player is playing is a professional playing a sport, he or she. He should get to decide where, when. But the player needs an NOC from the board, right? Because it's the board, his home board is the board. The thinking is that the home board is the one that has invested money in developing that player, has found that player. And so that's why, and I'm sure we'll discuss it, you know, that's why some solutions have come up. Some boards have said to the ILP20 that if you want a player from, from who we have developed, you know, from wherever to play in the ILT20 while we have our international season happening, then you're going to have to pay us. For an NOC, which is you know, the IPL franchises do that anyway. They they pay uh, the 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 board of from where the player comes, from where the foreign player comes. They pay them a certain amount of money, and you know the board is kind of okay. We get some money out of it, but you know maybe that becomes formalized and across the board now for for leagues like this. Sambit, you mentioned the entertainment aspect, and I think that that's that's a very very fair point. So. The entire idea behind overseas players, say nine, if you're going to have in the 11, is, is towards that, right? Like if, if you want entertainment, you need a Dre Russell, you need a lot, many such players there. And this gives you the chance. I think I, I, the, the point I was making is that sports as pure entertainment will not work. It will not work because A, there is a lot of sports. It's not that there isn't, you have alternate. Sports all needs fans to support something because they're emotionally invested in it. You see that in IPL. You see that in IPL that there are franchises, there are teams which are very well supported and there are teams which are not well supported. Why, why is Chennai, Calcutta and to an extent Mumbai now so well supported and why that sort of support have we haven't seen say for Delhi or Punjab? There's a reason behind it. You know, because the franchises have actually gone and tried to develop a fan base. They have tried to engage. IPL brought that for the first time in India, right? You always supported an Indian team and perhaps your local Ranji team to a, to a degree, but there was no concept of people supporting anything else. But it has taken them 15 years to, you know, create some level of fan base. To hear who is going to support which team? You know, you might, you might adopt a player and then start supporting them. But the thing is, sport... Positioned, positioned as pure entertainment has a lot of competition. It has a lot of competition from other sports, from, you know, like I said, there are millions things on TV. The shortest form of cricket is still four hours, right? Why would I give four hours to just to be entertained? I have to feel, you know, it's being a sports fan is about pain, about joy, about tears and all that. You you say four hours, Sambit, but I think the 60 is starting soon. I'm sure you're waiting uh, for, for, for that. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. The less, less said about that, the better. That's for another podcast. Osman, let, let's get down to the players. Now, we saw pretty shocking news uh, a few weeks ago, last week, in fact, where Trent Polt said that he wanted to be released and he is going to be released from his New Zealand contract. Now, this opens up a lot of talking points regarding what players are looking forward to do. Now, with the case of Bolt, of course, Osman, he's played 13 years of international cricket, so he has a lot of goodwill for him. But where does this leave say, New Zealand cricket now, for example, and players coming in after Trent? 
I mean, he's indicative of what might happen to players when they get to that stage in their careers. Like, you know, Bolt has done a, a fair bit, even though New Zealand don't play as much international cricket as, you know, some, some other countries, like the big three countries. But, you know, Bolt has, has won a World Test Championship. He's been to finals of ICC tournaments. He's, I think, won IPL tournaments as well. He's, you know, he's done a fair bit. He's established himself as one of the great, all-time great New Zealand bowlers. And I think, you know, at the age of what, 33, 34, he, he's in a position to say, look back at his career and say, oh, you know, I've, I've done what I feel like I should do internationally. And now I want to be able to spend more time with my family. I want to still play and still feel that kind of, you know, still kind of fulfill my competitive urges. Uh, but if he plays now, say, what, the IPL for, for two and a half months and he plays one, I think he's, his name is down in the ILT20. So he plays that for a month. You know, three and a half months of the year, and if he gets close to, I think he gets over a million dollars at the IPL for his for his stint. You know, if he if he gets one and a half to two million dollars from playing two leagues, which take up four and a half months, well, three and a half months, and he's able to take his family to these leagues, why why would you not do that once you're at this stage of your career? You know, you've established yourself. That's why because you established yourself for New Zealand. That's why you got picked at the IPL. That's why the ILT20 is after you, know, because you already made a name for yourself. And, and now you're there. So, you know, Moin Ali made this point. Every, every cricketer these days is being asked about this. And, and Moin Ali is at the center of, you know, both these leagues right now. But he made this point that sure cricketers are giving up formats or, or leaving central contracts. And there might be more in the future. But he reckons it's going to be more guys who are in their 30s, maybe early 30s, maybe kind of pushing beyond that. Um, whereas... Still, at this moment, some of the players who are coming through, I, I think they still need or they still want to play kind of for the national side internationally. Like, guys, I, I think I was reading about Will Smead, who's been doing really well on the T20 circuit, who's scored 100, the first guy to score 100 in, in, uh, at the 100. Like he's, and he's a young guy, you know, he's a young guy who's got the whole league scape open in front of him. But he said a couple of weeks ago, so I, I'm pretty sure it was him. That you know, he, his his dream is still to play for England right now. He he wants to play for England, and I, and I think there's some kind of you know tacit recognition that to to be big in these leagues, the majority of players have to come through that national pathway. They have to make a name for their country, for their A side, for you know some side. We're still there. It, it might not be that in the future because you know one of the things about these two new leagues coming up is that it opens up the pathway for a year-round IPL contract, for example, for players who, you know, and then IPL uh, academies start taking more seriously the prospect of the, the whole idea of developing a young player. But at the moment, the majority of uh, young players who come through the game, they still come through national federations, you know, and so there's still that attachment, I think, to playing international cricket. Then I, I think what we will see is that more and more when players get to a certain age, they've established themselves, uh, you know, I think Warner might be somebody in the near future who once he gets past a certain age and he's done what he wants for Australia or done what he wants for Pakistan or, or Bangladesh even, they'll be like, okay, you know, I can, I can give up on a central contract because now, whereas once it used to give me security, a central contract, now it's like a shackle. You know, it's shackled. It's stopping me from playing in other leagues and making more money there. So I think we're, we're kind of at that point where the switch might slowly be happening. But again, a lot of it will depend, I think, on how well, especially these two leagues do, the, IPL, the ILT20 and, and the CSA League, because there's you know, heavy uh, IPL involvement in them, and there's the CPL also. So if one franchise, I know Venki Mysore at KKR has already said that you know, if the, the hope is there that if they can employ cricketers on year-round contracts, 
then I think that is like another paradigm shift that, you know, when, when cricketers will give up a national central annual retainer and say, no, I want to sign up with KKR for the year and I will play in three leagues or four leagues with KKR. Say now Bolt doesn't have his central contract. Now, Mumbai Indians in the IPL, MI Emirates, say in ILT20 and probably MI Cape Town if, if the leagues are not don't happen at the same time. Yeah, they, they bundle together. They bundle together contract and they say... Uh, uh, I mean, central, the nature of central contracts will just change. The central contract from being with it, uh, bringing with a uh, country will change to central contract with the franchise. You know, there is a lot of, a bit of hand-wringing, sort of bring people talking about morality, ethics, or, or you know, just being, you know, people bring in this whole idea of loyalty into this. I think, you know, uh, just ask yourselves what you would do in their position. You know, players of cricket, uh, of, of all professions, the sporting profession is the shortest. You know, you, you have a, at your peak, you have only 10 years. More, most players, great players have 20, but most players have a peak of 10 years. Why would you not want to maximize that? And then suddenly boards and the ICC, uh, they, they don't really have any right to talk about it because uh, the premise of cricket has become commerce. So you, we always talk about television rights. I mean, I, I think at the moment they still have a stake in that, like I said earlier, most players are coming through the board, right? They're coming through board development and investment. In any case, most leagues are also owned by the boards, apart from... The ILT20, yeah. But eventually, you're right, eventually that might change. You know, KKR might start producing their own homegrown, purely players who have come through the KKR network and have nothing to do with the BCCI, for example. You know, then KKR has a greater stake on that player than anyone else. So the only the only sort of if you, if you play it out and if you really sort of take it to its logical and natural sort of conclusion that that this will become the the tide will turn and international cricket actually will become or bilateral international cricket will become smaller and smaller and and consequently when the ICC's uh, own tournaments will become smaller and leagues will become the main thing. The only sort of problem with that that you see is you know. Everybody complains about sports bodies. Everybody complains about how sports is badly administered. But finally, you, I, I think sport needs uh, a central administration. You know, you need to have certain certain amount of regulation. Or without that, what about corruption? So, you know, we already have fake leagues coming up because they to feed fantasy. How how are these leagues going to be now monitored? You know, does the ICC or the any any all the cricket boards put together do they have? Uh, the manpower and the power to, to sort of monitor all this game and, and have that sort of wide network of, of uh, surveillance. No, you know, private enterprise is great. I know I'm, but without any kind of regulation, is going to lead to chaos. That's that's my that's my fear. Tomorrow, Singapore Premier League or there's a Canada Premier League or you know whatever, wherever. So who is you know? Of course, it's great. It might be great for players in the short run. Apart from the other thing that Osman was talking about, in the end, players' status, fame. And to an extent, gratification comes from uh, playing for your country. Maybe, maybe that will change in a few years. It'll, it'll depend on how fans actually regard you. It'll come, it'll come down to that. How can you, can you become a, can you become that kind of hero just playing for a league? I don't know. I don't you know whether Tim David will ever be as big as Vicky Ponting or a bit of Williams who play. We don't know that. You know, maybe maybe that'll change. It'll all depend on how fans actually adopt these leagues. You know, human behavior has also changed, right? Look look around us, like more and more, and, and certainly me and Sambit are, do not qualify as, as young people anymore, but, you know, more and more people around us, the gig the gig economy is, is a thing, right? It's a real life thing where people 
I know people across the world, young people, you know, my nieces, people in my family, friends who have, who have children who are older. A lot of people don't want to be bound down by, by one job with one company for any length of time, you know, and, and that I think is only reflecting in, in the way people are thinking about these things. Now, you know, like I said earlier, once the central contracts, when they came in in 2000, were, were revolutionizing cricket in a way because, you know, the players for once had security, had financial security. If they got injured, they would still be paid and, and they would be employed by their boards. But, but and, and, you know, we used to think when we were growing up that, oh, one job with one employer, that's, that's the dream. You know, you want, you want one job for life or whatever, or, or one, you know, two jobs maybe for life. That was the dream. But now, more and more, young people, younger people are, are very happy to kind of, you know, not be contracted permanently, go from job to job. Maybe, maybe it's the nature of the economy. I, I, I say happy, but I, I mean more that the reality is that people are doing those kind of gigs more. You know, whether or not they're happy, I don't know 100% because I'm not an economist as such. But, you know... I mean, happiness downs to individuals, right? You know? Yeah, sort of. exactly. And, but more and more people, that's the reality for more and more people, I think, is that, you know, you're part of like a gig economy where you, you're doing something, but you've got two or three side hustles going and you're switching between places quite a lot. So, you know, if, if that's reflecting in cricket... The, yeah, the only only difference between sportsmen and the rest of us is that that sort of glory, that sort of, you know, the stage that you... Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, ...occupy yeah. And, and, and the things that happens to you when you're playing in front of 50,000 people and all that, that sort of high we'll never know in our life. Yeah. So I don't know whether that'll feel different to, you know... Uh, the other thing about the ILT20, by the way, is how many people will turn up at the stadiums in the UAE? That's yeah, going yeah, to yeah. make or break it as well, right? Because... You know, it, it's we have a mixed record of people turning up to events in the in the UAE. Some you know some IPLs I've seen I've covered there, which have been packed. You know, even in the heat during the day they've been packed. But there have been other leagues and other tournaments where attendance has been really thin. They've had big names, uh, but the attendance has been thin because you know that's just the nature of that country. Like people don't go to football matches there, and football is a major sport over there. You know, so it, it that's gonna effectively eventually impact on what a player feels. Karen Pollard is playing there, but he'll be like, well, you know, I'm playing in front of like zero audience. Uh, I'd rather play in CSA League at that time of the year because they'll have more people there and I'll feel more like I'm in a proper cricket event. Of course, the, the tax-free money on offer in Dubai will also make another, that'll be another factor to, for, for players to kind of look at. But, you know, all, all these things will eventually tell us which way the ILT20 goes? Yeah, that's that's why I feel that it's natural for every cricket playing country where there is local support for it to have in a have a league where the economics of every league will be dependent finally on the size of that country's cricket economy, and which is fair, which is which is how it will be, and which is what why all those leagues will have a level of success uh, that is linked to the cricket following in that country. Uh, so you know that that's my that's my concern about. Uh, Leagues like, uh, which are completely mercenary leagues, which is sort of there to provide entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> good, good use of the word mercenary, finally. You've been trying to get that word into the show, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of my friends will not like it. Uh, <laughs> see, the other, other thing that has happened right now is that it's slightly artificial and unreal. A lot of this push for league is coming from the fact that suddenly... Uh, there's eight IPL franchises, ten, eight IPL franchises, particularly who are the older IPL franchises, are flush with funds. They're flush with funds, which has come to them, uh, to some of them, uh, without them having to do anything. The broadcast rights money is enormous now. You know, a, a team was which was bought for 130 crores in in 2008 
for 10 years. They don't do anything. If their team doesn't win anything, there's no, they're never going to be disqualified. They will always have that 500 crores of around that much of money coming in. It's almost like you're talking about Manchester United, right? Like who you brought up. (laughs) They almost feel obliged that, hey, they need to, you know, they they need to expand. They they want to put that money in sports businesses. So I don't know how much, some franchises are really, really good. They have planned this for years and they they want to, you know, like some some like AKR, you would say that they were there, CPL. They were really sort of trying to build a business. I don't know whether this is, uh, this partly triggered, certainly partly, but largely triggered by the fact that these guys have a lot of fun and they will, they will, this is a venture they're investing in. Whether I don't know whether they completely believe in it or not, but they do have the fund and then it's like a little bit of a sometimes you can say a little bit of a herd mentality also. Eh? Two of them are franchising, let's say, put, put some money in there, let's see what happens. We, we had a podcast on this actually, but I, I wanted to ask you actually, Sambit, how you know eventually. Will will the franchises be able to pressure the BCCI into releasing Indian players for some of these leagues? For, because, you know, the CSA league is effectively a mini-IPL, right? That's what we're calling it. It is a mini-IPL. ILT20 has three IPL franchises in it as well out of six. That, <laughs> all hey, these leagues, for them to you know, for them to really succeed and make money, they're all relying on. Indian fans will watch or subcontinental fans yeah, will watch. Yeah. Uh, so there will, be, there will be certainly pressure on BCCI. From uh, you know significant pressure of BCCI that hey they, this, this investment had gone there, but BCCI is nothing is nothing at stake here. You know, so BCCI have been very ruthlessly monopolistic about the IPL, and and you could say that you know in a in a market economy. No, no, but they have at stake like they have the international calendar, right? They have a stake in the international calendar. So like if for example they want you know somebody wants Bumrah to play in the CSA league and India are playing an international series at that time, then the BCCI, that's when the crunch will come, right, to the BCCI. That's when the BCCI will say, well, no, he has to play for us, not for you guys, right? My personal view on this is that that ring fence your big players, that, that you want them to be available and, and you want to manage their workload because you're paying them well enough. You will perhaps pay them, you know, IPL first will go up and then these players will get better remunerated. India already have, you know, have put out, are able to put out two teams, right? You know, that, that actually helps international cricket because India are able to put out two or three teams. Probably three, yeah, three teams. I think. Yeah, they can. They, you know, they can, they, can, they can beat, I mean, a lot of teams with their, their second 11, particularly in short formats of the game. And that actually, that's actually a great thing for international cricket because even an India uh, A team or a B team has uh, value to a television broadcaster. So India being able to put out three teams is actually great for you know smaller countries that that they, they can you know there's no reason why India can't have three tours simultaneously you know they can actually play Zimbabwe more you know but coming back to that so so you know I I think if they they sort of kept expanded their central contract and maybe have 50 people on central contract and say rest of rest of them rest of the other players can go and play anywhere and that's fair to the players that that's also helps them, you know, and are also players who are at the later stage of the career. Dinesh Karthi came back now, but Ravid Thapa is never going to play, perhaps, uh, for India again, right? He'll be in our studio next week, so he might not like it. <laughs> but he will not, there's a very little chance that he will play for India again. So, and he doesn't play first last cricket. So, like, why, why should we not go and play everywhere else? So, that that's sort of, that's my... <laughs> personal opinion and, and, and idea. But I, I'm, I'm sure there'll be pressure on all uh, CCI to find a more... Uh, I understand why uh, the decision, what, when it was taken, why it was taken. 
and also I, I think uh, they they want to safeguard their Ranji Trophy and then their own own tournaments and they want to send people on air tours, uh, under 19 tours, which have which has helped build this enormous bench strength uh, for India. So, so yeah, but there there has to be a sensible policy that needs that should come. You know, maybe maybe not this year, but maybe not next year, but maybe in three or four years. That was three minutes from Sambit on whether in team Indian players should play in other T20 leagues. If you want more on that, listener, two weeks ago, we did a podcast that goes on 45 minutes to an hour. Ospan was on it. Go listen to that as well after this. Do check that out. I think we are coming to the end, but there's Ospan, there's something else I want to discuss. Because two weeks ago when we spoke, we spoke about Pakistan cricketers in these leagues, trying to find space for them, how PSL is a priority, how with the Champions Trophy coming in, that could be an issue. We thought there may be space for them in at least the ILT20, if not the CSA T20 league. But now with the teams announcing their squads, how are Pakistan players going to be feeling at this moment? Will, will they feel like they've missed out on a good opportunity to, to play in an up-and-coming T20 competition? Yeah, I, I think, you know, left out. And they've generally been, you know, been left out of kind of global cricket. But they haven't played, you know, in the IPL for that. So they're already missing out on like that kind of, you know, major gathering of the world's best players. And now, you know, they're, they're going to miss out. I, I don't think the ILT20 and CSA uh, absence is going to be a permanent one. I feel eventually that the PCB will come to some kind of arrangement. But the real issue with the PCB stance is that kind of like India, like BCCI, is that, you know, players who don't have a central contract with the national side, even players who don't have a domestic contract right now, you know, they're not going to get NOCs to play in the ILT20, which is, you know, kind of unfair. You have a number of players who, it's a restraint of trade argument, you know, you're stopping a player from actually trying to make a living. I don't think we've come to that stage yet where a number of Pakistani players who are outside of the main kind of core, but we will eventually, where, you know, somebody will say, somebody from these franchises will say that, look, I want one of those players. Uh, and the PCB will be like, no, we're not giving an NOC. That's, you know, blatantly a restraint of trade when that player doesn't play for Pakistan and he's unlikely to play for what is a fairly diminished domestic pool now. You know, remember the PCB had 16, 17 first-class teams until three years ago. They switched their system, domestic system, they cut it down to like eight teams, eight teams in the Kaizen Trophy. So, you know, you're only actually domestic contracts are 194 domestic contracts. There are like, you know, at any given time, probably 500 functional cricketers in a country as big as Pakistan. And so the, a, lot of pe a lot of people, when the, when the domestic uh, system changed, a lot of cricketers had to like switch to other jobs, which is ridiculous. We were hearing stories of People who had been playing first-class cricket one season were in the top 10 for wicket-takers and suddenly the next season, because of this domestic change, were Uber drivers in Lahore. You know, it, it's sad. And so those guys, if, if you're doing that, if you're cutting down the number of cricketers, in first-class cricketers in your country, uh, that's hit a lot of the other cricketers who miss out. And then you're stopping them from going to these ILT20s and, and CSA leagues as well. You know, it's it's hurting the, the, the financial future of a cricketer. So... It, that, that question is going to become more and more important, especially because the PSL does not offer as much money as either of these leagues. You know, the top salary band in the PSL is $180,000, I think. And, you know, the, the rupee has been tanking against the dollar recently. The economy has gone down so that, you know, you're getting less bang for your buck there. It, 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 it's certainly going to be a bigger question for the PCB. And this, this year, you know, the PCB can say that we have home commitments, we have international commitments, so we don't want our best players there. I think that's a fair argument. You know, the PCB, guys like Babur, guys like Shaheen, guys like Shadab, at the moment, they should be playing for Pakistan uh, if, if there is a call on them. But, you know, 
further down the line, that question is going to become more and more difficult. And if the PCB were to say to the ILT20, the other side of this is that if the PCB were to say to the ILT20 or CSA that, listen, either if, if we're giving you our players to play in your league, then you give us some money for those players. I think that's a fair argument. Completely. That's a fair, argument, a fair completely equation. fair argument. And as the PCB have done in the past with CWI, this is something I discovered recently, is that if our players are going to play in the CPL, uh, you give us a fee, but we'll also make sure that when West Indian players play in the PSL, we will give you a fee as well. So there was like a, a, an informal bilateral agreement, which kept both boards happy, you know. So the PCB could do that with like the CSA, because, you know, Cricket South Africa is a board and they want players from Cricket South Africa. It's not going to do that with the ILT20, because the ILT20 doesn't have any players to offer them, right? The ILT20 is, in, is like Sambit explained, it's a league. But they have cash. They have cash only, that's the only thing. So... I think these arrangements will come into play eventually, um, and, and and that's going to kind of dictate. The other thing, you know, the other thing I think we should touch on the elephant in the room is that there was some speculation that these franchises, uh, a lot of the IPL franchises, were not going to pick Pakistani players because they feared the kind of the the blowback that they would get from you know the whole India Pakistan fallout. As far as I know, and as far as our reporting goes, I think you know there were IPL franchises that did make sounds about trying to get Pakistani players in, uh, in in these leagues, both these leagues, by the way, the ILT20 and the CSA League, there were franchise owners who wanted Pakistani players in. But I think it was a combination of the PCB being fairly firm with their NOC policy and also a certain reticence that, okay, you know, we have to think kind of a little bit about the whole Pakistan India angle before we get them. But I, I know that offers were made and players were sounded out uh, for, for franchises in both the leagues. But has PCB formally asked uh, the franchises to uh, pay them a fee? Or a not not formally, but informal conversation has happened uh, between certainly between the uh, PCB, uh, PCB and the ILT20. It's It's been an informal thing and, you know, they have said, I don't think in writing it has happened, but they have said that, look, if you want some of our players, then, you know, why, why don't you start paying us for, for, for those NOCs? Which... Like I say, I, I think it's a completely fair argument, you know, that if you're wanting to tap into our pool because you are a league that needs to tap into a huge pool of international players, then you should pay for the right to do that because you've not paid a single penny developing any of these players. And, and, and we have. You know, of course, we have focused a lot on international players. The only, only sort of, I, I think one, one of the good things about the ILT20 is that it guarantees uh, sports to associate players. You know, that uh, I, I think two associate players will play in each eleven. Uh, which is a great thing for associates because I, I don't think apart from uh, Lamy Chene and Tim David, who's you know who is Australian, played for Singapore. None of the associate players have really made uh, a proper mark in any any T20 league, and this sort of will give them a huge opportunity. So there was some story about Wayne Matson who yeah. So Wayne, Wayne Matson is a South yeah. African born. He's played cricket or hockey for South Africa. He's played cricket in England as a local. He has an Italian passport. He refused to play for Italy about 10 years ago and now he's an associate player in the ILT20. But, but at least we get to see him play. It's not yeah. something that he, he'll be exposed to an that. audience that... And he's one guy, right? They'll need like... They'll need like... They'll need, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, 15 other people. So there's 12 players. associate players getting to play with so many international players. It'll, it'll you know... There'll be some... So of course, there, there, there'll be growth for them. There'll be... Perhaps some of the associate teams could benefit by some of these players becoming better. Uh, 
Yeah, and 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 you mentioned about remuneration to the boards. Maybe there's a stage where a local player, the four that needs to be in the ILT20, does well, and then that local player gets selected in other leagues, and then the Emirates board at least gets 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 yeah, gets yeah, uh, yeah. you know remunerated for that local player, and he goes there. I think I think by coming to the end of this discussion, I started this uh, by. Asking you all to be potential investors into these two T20 leagues, potential investors as custodians of cricket. Yeah, are you are you sold? Would you like to see a pilot? Where do you stand of the range of excitement? Let's say I, I know some with some with. I don't know whether he's a fan of entertainment or not, but uh, some with, where where do you stand? We'll start with Osman and we'll give the final word to somebody. Osman, we'll start with you. Uh you know, I I don't know if it's possible to be. It's it's difficult. I think one of the things that we need to Uh, speak to the experience of is what a lot of fans feel how they follow these T20 leagues. I I think increasingly that fans choose their league and maybe one more, and that's what they keep an eye on because there's so much cricket happening. There's leagues everywhere. I don't think there's a fan out there who keeps an eye on every single league plus international cricket and what's happening there. Uh, so I I think like with other other leagues, I think you know the CSA league for example will develop its own fans. I think over time. The ILT20, I still feel like it's a little bit like the T10 kind of enterprise, in you know that it's there and players go there because there's money. But whether it really thrives and takes off as an organic kind of league, I don't know. You know, it may it may not even be here next year. By the way, if you know if other members have their way, it may not be here next year. So I don't know. It, it's difficult. I, I think it they will find fans. Uh, for, for for us who work in cricket. It's another league to kind of to kind of get our heads round. But the question came. I said you're asking the wrong person because I'm only saying work. I'm saying work yeah, and more. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and you know we more, we have the ball by ball commentator. Uh, the great uh, Nikita, who you know, uh, who handles our desk. You know, the, the nightmare is actually on her. We should put the question to her because she's the one who organizes. The rota for this. So, in fact, when Nikita pings me saying that Sambit, I want to talk. I'm dreading this conversation. There must be a new league coming up. Yeah, yeah, there must be a new league coming. So, so work-wise, it's just another two leagues into the calendar that we have to do. But you know, I'm sure I would say, okay, I will say this that I I think the CSA league will find more fans uh, than necessarily the ILT. Yeah, I've, I've said that already. So you know, I think. You're both, and I think we all are going for a wait and watch approach. For us, for us, it's it's a little more work. From someone maybe maybe who's just who's just getting into this, I'm I'm excited to see more more T20 cricket. I'm, I'm more opportunities see, for cricketers as yeah, well, which is never a bad thing. For cricketers as well, so yeah, so so that will be great. Sambit, I hope you had a good time on your first stump mic in a long time. I assume. Come again? I did. I did. It's all, <laughs> yeah. It's always always good. To, always good to talk cricket with people you know. Yeah, and and we'll be doing that every week. Samad Bal, Osman Samiyudin, thank you so much for joining us on the, this episode of Stump Fight.